Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Anyway, today I want to start talking about something. It's going to be a little short series, but the title of it is called The Valley of Blessing. Everybody say Valley of Blessing. You know, when you think about valley, there's a... There's a couple of word pictures when you talk, when I bring this up, that are biblical or that they use in the New Testament and the Old Testament, but equally that we still use today, and it is the term a mountaintop or I'm on top of the mountain. How many of you know what I'm saying? And that is indicative of life is just going really good. How many of you, you know, it just it's just like, oh my gosh, let me just throw it out right now. How many of you are on a mountaintop? Mountaintop experience, you know what I'm saying? Your life is going, you're just be, come on, be bold. God's good. How many of you know what I'm saying? But then sometimes we've got mountaintops, you know, I'm on a mountaintop experience here, but not right over here. It's, you know, but there we have mountaintops, but then equally is, um, and it's basically just indicative of a good spot. I'm in a, a good spot. But then equally is the term, well, I'm in a valley, or I'm facing a valley right now in my life. And usually that is representative of or indicative of maybe a challenging spot in our life or a difficult spot, or I just call it a not feeling it spot. How many of you know what I'm just not feeling? It's just like, this is just a, a challenging spot, a place that maybe we would rather avoid. It's uncomfortable, and it's where the need appears to be greater than what we have. And, and, and I think life has the spectrum and us keeping our wits about us in our heart in the game, whether we're on a mountaintop or whether we're experiencing a valley is key in our life. How many of you today, and I, I asked earlier about a mountaintop, but how many of you are maybe right now in a spot and you're like, hey, I'm just kind of in a valley right now. I got a valley situation going on in my life. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just be honest. And you, you think today is a valley of, when I use the title valley of, of, of blessing is it what really what we're going to talk about is that God wants to shift my view that when I go through a valley experience where I can believe that God's not only with me, but God's going to bless me in that experience. That whatever the circumstances that are going on right now, everybody has both in their life. And sometimes, you know, when you think about it, every area in our life has both. If you're, if you're married and you've been married for more than a couple weeks, you know that you have mountaintop experiences and you have valley experiences. How many of you are with me on that? If you have children, you know that you have mountaintop experiences and then there's teenage, I mean, there, you know what I'm saying. It's, you, you have, you, you have, you know, relationships, work, it, you know, you think about it, everything that you own, you buy a new car and it's like, oh, and then you get the first payment. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Or you, maybe you get the car paid off and then you have, I need a transmission. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so you, it, it's, it is this spectrum and with both mountaintop and valley experiences, what happens is, is temptations come. Whenever we're on a mountaintop experience, the temptation is to forget about God. 
The, t- the temptation, when you think about it, is to become independent. Well, you know what? I, I don't really, need, the need is not as great. Maybe our, our head grows and we get in pride. And we just kind of, and, and, and you see this in the Old Testament where God warned the Israelites and he said, I'm going to bring you into a place that is really, really sweet and it's really, really good, but I need you to guard. I need you to watch because if you forget about me, there's going to be this cycle thing. And we know the story that it happened. But then in the valley, the temptation is to doubt or to question God. And if we allow ourselves, we could drift into, when we're having a valley experience, to drift into maybe pessimism or skepticism within our life and maybe give in to temptations in our life that cause us to have a temporary escape from the valley experience. But it makes it worse because we still got to go back and face that valley experience. Look at what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 14. And this is the Amplified Classic, but I love it because it defines what the word blessed means. It says blessed, and then it says happy, fortunate. They're going to throw it up on the screen. Proverbs 28, verse 14, it says, maybe they're not. (laughs) Happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the person who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord at all times, regardless of circumstances. But the person who hardens their heart will fall into calamity. And so the goal is, is God, I'm going to have a reverence for you at all times. Lord, whether it is a mountaintop or whether it is a valley, my reverence for you is not going to shift with my circumstances, my regard for you. But God said the person that hardens their heart, how many of you have ever been, and I think both spectrums, you've been around somebody that maybe they were super, super blessed and they hardened their heart, or maybe over on the other spectrum, people that went into calamity and they got a hard heart and they got bitter or angry at God because I went through this, you know, valley situation in in their life. Look at what it says in in Psalm 62, verse 8. It says, trust confidently at him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And then it says, selah, or pause and calmly think about that. Where we just stop and we say, God, I'm going to trust confidently in you at all times. And a prosperous soul is one who regards, values, and recognizes God the same in both mountaintop and valley experiences. Where it's just kind of like, and I know that's hard on us, but that is really, that is a prosperous soul. And when we talk about navigating in a valley experience, this is what I am convinced in, in 2008 and 22 in America is that they had an advantage over us in the New Testament. They had an advantage over our lives. And you say, why is that? One of the biggest differences between us and the New Testament is their culture. If you study the culture in the New Testament, what you find is they had very few cultural comforts. They had very, life was really, really hard. It was way harder. I mean, think about it for a moment. Medical science back in the New Testament. They had, I mean, medical science was was nothing. I mean, I mean, just an aspirin, a painkiller, a Tylenol. They had nothing back then when you look at it. I mean, let me just go into cultural comforts for a moment. Air conditioning. How many of you are grateful for air conditioning? 
How about a car? How many of you are grateful for a car? You know, if you, if you stop and you, how about, let me just throw this out there. And I love to go to Africa and do missions. And I watch the gals wash their clothes on the side of the river and hang them on bushes. How many of you are ready? Not just gals, but guys as well. You're grateful for a washer. How many of you know what I'm saying? And a dryer. You know what I'm saying? How about a coffee maker? You know what I'm saying? How about an oven? You know, you, you stop and you think, how about, I mean, restaurants. Yeah. Yo, we ain't got time, baby. Jump in the car. Let's go. Yeah. They didn't have that. I mean, they absolutely did not have any of those cumbers. I mean, let's just throw this out there. Running water. Right. Electricity. We, they, didn't, they had nothing. I mean, the safety nets that are available today. I mean, think about this for a moment. And I want us to just put ourselves in, if we were to take our 2022 Western brain to the Virgin Mary, she is getting ready to give birth to the Savior of the world, prophesied for 4,000 years. There is no plan B. There is no other way. Okay, an angel speaks to Joseph and says, you got to leave. They get on a mule, nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant, riding a mule for days. Now, how many of you ladies would just be like, I ain't feeling it? I mean, just the thought of the mule is a valley experience. And then what happens is, as they get to the town, there are no rooms. We'll rent you our animal stall. I mean, that is hard. The Son of God is born. All humanity's salvation hinges on it. And his first bed is a cow's feeding trough. That's his first bed. And when you think about it, is, you know, and I'm just going to give you some stats. Nearly 50% of the children in the New Testament died before they aged 10, nearly 50%. The average lifespan was 35 years. Life was short. You think about it, not to mention the hardship due to the Roman occupation and the taxation that was just, I mean, it was just brutal. The brutality of people being beaten. Crucifixion was normal. They saw it. It was a regular occurrence. Valley experiences were ingrained in part of their culture. But we as Americans, we, our culture is all about comfort. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so when we go through a valley experience, what happens is, is God is like, I, I just want you to realize that, you know, that have, that life is what life is about is you are going to have mountaintop experiences, but you are also going to have valley experiences And the prosperous soul is the soul that says, God, I regard you and I believe your promises and I believe what you say, no matter what I'm going through naturally, you are good. You are faithful. We live in a fallen, screwed up, messed up world, but we serve a good God. We serve a good God. I mean, look at what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3. He said, take with me your share of hardship 
passing through the difficulties which you are called to endure like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I, I didn't see that verse. You know what I'm saying? I was like, hey, come and give your heart to Christ. And guess what? You're going to take with Paul your share of hardship. You're going to have, you're going to have some. Uh, he said in one translation says endure hardness as a good soldier. You know, you think about it in Acts 541. It says that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. They rejoiced at that. That was in the way that they, the way that they thought. Um, the book of 2 Timothy was the last book written in the New Testament. And Timothy was a pastor. And what had happened is, is the emperor had declared war on Christianity. So much to the degree that it was basically capital punishment to be a Christian. And so what he did is, and, and particularly in the town Timothy was in, is Timothy was showing up weekly at his church and there were people that he loved, people that he cared about, people that he had done life with, people that he had watched their kids grow. He had watched the situation. He's showing up to church each week and the emperor has crucified or burned to the stake or executed people and they're in hiding. And so Timothy is the pastor in this situation. And look at what Paul said to him in 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, due to our culture of comfort, it's affected the, uh, the development of faith in an area of our soul where if we go through a valley, if we go through a difficult spot, if we go through about the only thing we know is rebuke the devil. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, and, and I'm not saying that he, he isn't part of it, but I believe that God is saying, I want my people to be able to know me, to tune into me, and to sense me in their life. No matter if they're in a valley experience or they are on top of a mountain, their connection with me is uninterrupted. They, they're able to tune in to who I am. And don't get me wrong, I would much rather choose a mountaintop experience over a valley any day of the week. How many of you know what I'm saying? I am a red-blooded American. I have Burger King's motto, down, have it your way. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is I would much rather go that way in my life. But what we've got to realize very simply in our life if that's what I think, life and faith is going to, I'm going to struggle in it. And God is wanting to develop me in an area right now. If you're here and you say, you know what? My, I got a relationship that's in a valley experience. Put the Lord first there and watch him turn it around. Watch him turn it around. You say, right now I'm facing a valley experience here. Or I'm facing a valley experience here. God created and planned for us to be able to tune into him and to sense him 
in the spectrum of our life. And if we don't grow in these valley experiences, then we're susceptible to have the door cracked in our life to all types of temptations that give us an escape mentality rather than a grow mentality, and we rob ourselves in it. We rob ourselves, and God is like, I want to I want to grow you. Every biblical hero that we have had these valley experiences. Look at what David said in Psalm 23. He said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. See, God gives them all. God is like, I've got you. And as we study the Bible, we've got to realize that in creation, God planned for us to experience and to go through mountaintop experiences, valley experiences in our life. But what it is, is he wants us to develop a trust and a faith that is independent of anything going on down here where it is like, God, okay, you've, you've got me. This is what's going on. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 3. This is the wealthiest man to ever live on the earth. And look at what he, uh, Solomon said. He said, for everything there is a season. There is a time for every activity. Verse 2, there's a time to be born, that's celebratory. There's a time to die, that's hard, difficult. There's a time to plant, that's hard, takes work. There's a time to harvest, that's celebratory. Verse 4, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. Job said this, he said, people are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly from the fire upward. That we're just going to, don't try to avoid, but say, God, I'm going to grow. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I like that. God's like, okay, I just want to, Lord, I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to be pessimistic, but realize this, that what I'm, I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to anchor on you. And Lord, I realize that whether if you're here and you're, when you go through a valley, you run to the Lord, that's awesome. Okay, that's super good. Okay, but when you have a mountaintop, you forget about him or you're the other spectrum where you have a mountaintop experience, you know what I'm saying, or valley experience, and you go. And what I want to do is I want to... I want to give us four things that, and I, I realize that I'll probably catch a little flack on this, but I have four things that I want you to tattoo. Everybody say tattoo. All of us are getting ready to get a tat. How many of you are with me on that? All of you are getting ready to get a tat. Okay. To tattoo on your thinking, to tattoo in your mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I, uh, um, <laughs> One bummer thing about tats is where you're at today and where you're going to be at in 20 years is really different. How many of you know what I'm saying? We had this young kid get saved and wanted me to disciple him, so he moved in. And he had long red hair. He was a lead singer of a rock group and long red hair. And this was back before piercings were in, but he pierced both of his nipples. And, um, and I told him, I'm going to tie a rope and lead you around the house. How many of you know this? <laughs> Yeah, he had a pier- it was back before he had piercings just all over the place, long red hair. He was like six foot one and 120 pounds. And, um, 
And, and he had this tattoo on his arm of this skeleton and the hair just sticking straight out, screaming. And he got it when he was in his rock band. You know what I'm saying? And he got, and then he, he got saved and he's like, I got, I got to fix that. <laughs> so he went and had him put the caption on it. Don't get caught dead without Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, so he fixed it anyway. Four things that we have to tattoo in our mind. Number one is this, is valleys reveal what I functionally believe. They reveal what I functionally believe. Now, we all have stated beliefs. We're all here. And, and um, how many of you, let's just, let me just throw this out. And I need us all, if you agree with this statement, I need you to participate. Okay, how many of you all believe that Jesus is Lord? Let me just see your hand. How many of you? Okay, now give me an amen when I say it. How many of you all believe that Jesus is Lord of your life? Amen. Okay, but realize this, valleys are revealers of if that's actually functioning in my life. They reveal, and I'm not, I'm not, it says in Proverbs that every person will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful, and the key word is faithful there, person who can find. And so, the, and so what it is, is, and I want to be clear equally when I say this, is we all have reactions in the moment. How many of you know what I'm saying? You, you just, we can, we can have a reaction. I remember the apostle Paul earlier in his life when he first um, came to Jesus, he was spunky. He was a scrapper. Paul was a scrapper, and the high priest ordered him to slap someone, someone to slap Paul, and Paul sparked right back at him and said, God will strike you too, you whitewashed tomb. And they're like, yo, love of Jesus. How many of you know what I'm saying? And they said, hey, that's a high priest. Paul immediately, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Bible said, you know what I'm saying? It's, and I'm not talking about re a reaction moment. Some people, depending on the way that you're wound, when things happen, you get mad. Other people get sad. You know, it's, it, there's, there's a reaction, but then that reaction needs to lead me to, okay, I realize, I think that's all of us. We have this propensity in our life, but the goal needs to be that, that, okay, I maybe had a little reaction right there, or you know what, this is going on, but I need to have my head and my heart in agreement right now that what I know God has said and what his word has declared over my life, I've got hold of it. And you know what? I'm I'm going to rehearse it to this right here so that these are in agreement so that my expectation and my outlook is in agreement with what he says, with what he declares over my life. Number two is this, is I must remember, everybody say must, must, I must remember that my circumstances might have changed, but God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. This is what's tough on us. It's tough on us. You say, why? Because we live in a comfort culture. And so we begin to transpose that God just wants me comfortable. Lord, the air, I would prefer two degrees cooler. How many of you know what I'm saying? And then we get a little attitude and the Lord's like, yo, I, I, think, I think we're going to let it get four degrees warmer so we can grow in that area. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, it, and we, what we've, we've got to remember that my circumstances might have changed. We live in a fallen world. We live in a messed up world. 
We live in a world that the enemy pokes and, and things are not the way that God designed them, but God and his promises haven't changed. And I think that, you know, in the Bible, there's a term, and it's the term fear not. Fear not. Do you know that that term is used toward us as humans over 300 times in the Bible? That means that we have this propensity that when things happen, that we get in fear. In Proverbs, or in Romans chapter 8, 28, it says that we know, I like things that are absolute, but it says we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love him. God, you're going to just, okay, there's a valley. I don't get it. Okay, this is a valley. And, and God, you're going to turn it to my certain good. Some people act like Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden that, that um, God looked over at Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And it's like, shoot, I didn't know this was going to happen. What are we going to do? And, and Jesus looked at him and said, oh, my gosh, I don't know. We're going to have to get back with you. I'm not really sure. This is a difficult day. You know what I'm saying? God knew about it. He knew about the Bible tells us. He knew about it. He knew about it. You know, um, as I said, I love the continent of Africa. And so I've done many missions trips there. And, and one of the um, mission trips, I always, when I go to Uganda, one of the things is that they will grind you in regard to like just teaching and preaching and all, all that stuff. They will be, they will keep you going like 12 or 14 hours a day. Just, they will just work. They will just work you. And so I've learned the rhythm that when I take teams, it's like, okay, we will go strong for four days. And then we are having what we call a team day. And you say, what is a team day? A team day is you can do whatever you want. You can sleep all day. You can go do an activity. You can go shop or do whatever. You can just, you know, relax. You can, usually, there's no restaurants and nobody's like, I'm going to go try the food. No, you usually don't want to do that. Um, but you can do it. So one of the things that I do when I go to Uganda in this particular place is I like a challenge. How many of you like challenges? I like a challenge. And there's this, um, they do a whitewater rafting thing there and they're category four falls. Category four means they're the most difficult fall. It is the source at Jinja, Uganda, is the source of the Nile River coming out of Lake Victoria that is fed by an aquifer, and it flows 3,000 miles north and dumps out way up by Egypt in northern Africa. And so I always am like, I want to go whitewater rafting, and I've been several times. And you always, because of the rapids, you always get flooded. You always, it is, and so they gear you up, and I know what's coming, and I take my team, and this particular time, I had Lish with me, and I said, Lish, we got to go whitewater rafting, and she's like, okay, Dad, let's go whitewater rafting, and I just told her, I said, we're going to get wet. Just so you know, we're going to get wet. I didn't tell her nothing else. I just said, we're going to get wet. And so we go, and these, the boat holds like, um, they put, they put uh, let's see, it's Eight people, four on each side, and the guy in the back is steering it, and he hollers. And to the right side of the boat, he'll scream, right, and right, just, and then he's like, left, and he's trying to get the boat to go around. And we hit this rapid that I think we, it was a fall. We probably dropped 15 feet vertical, went into a hole, shot up, flipped in the air, and came down. 
And I look over at Lish when we're in the air. <laughs> and we came down, and when we came down, they got kayakers around, zip in if you're, you know, but they got, you got vests on, so you pop up like a cork. And I come up, and I'm under the boat, so I come out, out from under the boat, and the, my natural reaction is I'm looking for Lish. Where's Lish? I can't see Lish. Where's Lish? I'm looking all around. The kayakers don't have Lish. And I'm like, Lish, 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 in about... 50 feet downstream, she pops up out of the water, and she's like, <sighs> she, comes, she comes up out of the water. And, you know, I said, did you like it? <laughs> we won't even go here. <laughs> but we're going to have experiences that we got Jesus and we're coming out. Okay, we're coming out. You see, I'm holding my breath. I'm in a valley. You're coming out. We got experiences we don't plan for, we don't fully get, I don't understand. I want to tell you something. It's time to develop your soul. It's time to not quit. It's time to not give in. It's time to not go to some vice. It's time to not give in to something that is going to bring you to the place that it's going to make it worse. It's time to say, okay, God, I realize that this is one of those things in Ecclesiastes. This is one of those things that he said in G Jesus said in John 16. This is one of those things that Paul wrote Timothy. This is one of those things. And so, Lord, what I'm going to do is do everything that I know, but I'm going to hold on to my faith, and I'm going to trust you in my life. Number three is this. Is lordship always equals reward and transformation? Always. 100%. This is both seasons. God wastes nothing in blessing my life. I was, my title, that I was going to call this Mastering the Valley. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm always, I run it by my team. And they're like, oh, that title is very you. It's very you. I'm like, well, help me. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, you know, it's, it's very you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm, well, I was going to call it Blessing in the blessing in the valley. They said that one's better. And I'm like, okay, okay, we'll soften it up. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Number four is this. Is my expectation of my future coming from his word or my experiences? My expectation of my future. This is both mountains and valleys. I want to be super clear on this. When you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. A new creation. I like one translator said you're a new species that never existed before. God didn't come to patch you up. He came to transform you. And when we come to the Lord, Many, always, we've got these expectations from our past. I'm just going to throw this out. You might be here right now, and you say, well, gosh, you know, my mom or my dad had this disease, and they passed away here. So, probably, God is saying, excuse me, let's grab that expectation and filter it through my word. 
let's grab that expectation. I'm just going to throw this out, just a thought. But you're here, maybe you were raised in a home that, you know, your parents had multiple marriages and multiple stuff and, and it traumatized you and you went through stuff and you, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. In the back of your mind now is, it's like, well, this is, that was, and there's an expectation because of an experience. And God is saying, no, when you came in to me, he said, I didn't patch you up. You're a new creation because of my grace and the power of your Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit, and I will totally, completely transform your life beyond what you ever thought possible. See, we come and we have these, and, and I want us to, to maybe, you know, maybe you're here right now. God is just saying to you, he's really good. He's really faithful. He loves you more than you will ever understand you were not an accident. He has a plan. The circumstances that you've been through, maybe some of them were the enemy attacking your life, trying to destroy your life, trying to get you to get depressed and live under whatever, whatever, whatever. But I want to tell you something. But God is good and he's faithful and he's a healer and he's a strengthener and he's the one that he wants me to stop and realize it. Okay, I, I need to get the life jacket of his word on right now. And I need to begin, okay, this is a valley experience. But Lord, I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to grow through this. I'm not going to get, you know, if you have a propensity, you just get mad. Like, okay, Lord, I got mad, but I'm over getting mad. How many of you know what I'm saying? I just, okay, Lord, I want to get tender before you so I can hear you. Or maybe you're here and you just get sad or you get depressed through those, those valley experiences. And I, and I understand we all have these bends and these propensities. But God is saying, how about if when life is going like this, you recognize me as this. It'll stabilize you in this because you're anchored on I am the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stand to your feet. We're going to unpack, you know, you, the valley of blessing. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible where the Israelites were in this battle, and it was insurmountable. They were just like, they fell on their face, and they're like, God, what should we do? And God led them through some practical things. And what looked like an absolute wipeout and devastation, God turned it around and incredibly blessed their life. And then they, and then they named that place the Valley of Blessing. That's what they named. But it didn't look like that at first. And I believe that God... Maybe some of us today, he wants you to rename your valley. He wants you to just rename it. Just rename it. Just stop and just say, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to grow on that. No, I'm not. That, yep. Nope. That's not going to be one of those four-letter words. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's God, I am going to grow in you. Amen? 
Lord, today as we come before you, we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit in our life. We need you. We choose you. And Lord, one thing today that we glean from your word is that, Lord, you are the same, that you are stable, that when everything goes haywire, you're the same. And that, Lord, we realize as we've maybe gleaned from the New Testament that they had an aversion to facing hardship because of the culture that they lived in. But, Lord, we've got an aversion to comfort And sometimes it causes us to question your faithfulness and to question your goodness in our life. And Lord, we're here today, every one of us, 100% of us are here today because Lord, we want to see you in the valley as clearly as we see you on the mountain. That you are good, that, that we can stabilize our soul, our thinking, our expectation, our anticipation of the future. We can stabilize it on you. And Lord, today, as we come before you, we're desiring to go deeper in you. Say that with me. Say, Lord, I'm desiring to go deeper, deeper than I've ever gone, to know you closer. And I'm inviting you today. Help me, God. I embrace you in my journey. Jesus' name. You're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed. And you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You say, what does that mean? It's the way that God set it up. He won't kick the door down. He won't force his way into your life. But the first thing he calls each and every human being to recognize is that every one of us are broken. Every one of us, due to the nature of human race, have this propensity and this bend in our life. And we've all been touched by sin, which has separated us from him. But God sent his only son, Jesus, because he wanted a relationship with us more than anything else. Jesus never sinned, never made a mistake, and then willingly went to the cross to be crucified to pay for our sins. You say, why did Jesus do that? Because the Bible says that the payment for sin is death. By Jesus giving his perfect life and has never sinned, He balanced, his his divinity balanced our humanity and God took his payment as our payment for the sins of the world and everything that have ever happened, everything that we have ever done. It was laid on Jesus' back when he went to the cross. But the only way we receive it is number one, we recognize that we are sinners and we need the grace of God. And number two, as he went all in and gave his life, we go all in and we give him our heart, we give him our life and we say, Lord, I just say yes to you right now. I say yes to you. God isn't waiting for you to fix it. He's not waiting for you to get it together. He's not waiting for you to overcome that addiction. He's not waiting for you to get acceptable to him. He says, come just as you are, and my grace is more than enough. 
you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ, I want to pray for you right where you're at. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, that's me. That's you on the count of three. I want you to lift your hand. We're all going to pray together, but by lifting your hand, you're saying, I mean business, and I come out of the comfort spot. One, two, this is your moment. Three, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you are so good, God. You are so wise. Let's all pray this together. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you came, you were born of a virgin, you willingly allowed yourself to be crucified for my sins. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a shout. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.